You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 91, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Well, today we're talking about a perspective, maybe even a paradigm shift for how we do discipleship for our students. And a lot of that starts with parents of the ministry, our youth leaders working in concert and tandem with them. Uh, but kind of redefining family discipleship uh, as a means of youth ministry discipleship strategy. And to help me talk about that is today's guest, Caesar Kalinowski. Um, Caesar is a podcaster and author, uh, was a church planner at one point, um, has a lot of things going on that we'll talk about a little bit, and certainly make a plug for his website and what he does at the end of the episode. Uh, But we have a fascinating part one conversation, and we're going to have another episode soon uh, that will be the second part to this conversation. But the first part is, what is this paradigm shift? What is this difference that we're talking about? And how would I even get started? So let's hop into that conversation with Caesar. Well, Caesar, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad we can make this happen. Thank you for making time for us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. For our viewers and listeners, could you give us a little intro about you and what you do? Well, I like to say I'm a disciple maker. You know, I've done professionally, vocationally. I'm an author and a coach. And uh, my wife and I coach together and we coach people in uh, how to create a lifestyle of discipleship with their families and throughout their churches or with youth groups or however that would be. But instead of discipleship as, uh, like I said, a classes or a program to set up, well, what if it's everyday life? What if it fits into all of life? And then there's no uh, rub up against like, well, I don't have time for that. You, you do if it fits into your normal life, you know? And right, so, yeah. yeah, my background is in in uh, many things. My wife and I are serial entrepreneurs. So we've we've owned and started a whole lot of businesses over 25, believe it or not, and, uh, and a serial church planter. So, but we started out, okay. we started out in youth ministry, like so many church planters do. Yeah, very cool, man. I love that. Yeah, I love that. I love seeing how people who start in youth ministry or at some point get in youth ministry, where they end up going, and then how they can even harken back to, like, man, it'd be good for teenagers or parents or youth youth workers to know this, or if I had known this. And um, yeah, I think that's what learning and discipleship and sanctification and all that kind of stuff and being the community and being the church is all about. So I'm really glad that you guys get to do that. Um, Yeah. And I'm glad that our our listeners and viewers uh, get to partake of your wisdom and experience. Uh, today, we're talking about something that we really haven't talked about uh, on the podcast before, and uh, we're going to get into the bones of it first. But really, it's kind of the idea of building faith communities, maybe outside of the traditional spectrum of what we consider like for the church and our programming and for students like Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. And a lot of that starts with... Um, the parents and how they raise their kids and disciple them, and then how you youth workers are able to help the parents and the students be able to reinforce that with discipleship and thinking about how can we go out into the world 
find encouragement, find people to walk with us, find people that we can walk with. Um, and um, yeah, so it starts with kind of the idea of like out in the neighborhood or out where we live, but there are things to think about before getting to that point uh, because not all um, students have their parents super involved. Um, not all youth groups are the same size. Um, there are some listening who might be running their youth ministry for their church as a volunteer in a rural setting. So there's a lot of different contexts to consider. But sure. when we start to think about uh, bridging outside of the traditional structure of whoever's listening has for their students, what are some first steps to think about as we start to think about building faith communities wherever we're at? Years ago, as we were sort of doing, uh, I guess, maybe what now seems like quite a traditional youth ministry. I call it the pizza do youth ministries, you know, lots of pizza (laughs) and Mountain Dew, you know, a lot of rah-rah, I got the sports (laughs) section, you know, and then, all right, let's get seated. And you got a little message maybe, you know, and all that, right? Um, We just realized that that wasn't connecting families and necessarily their outside of the church friends very well. You know, kids are like middle schoolers, they don't know what's going on in life. You know, high schoolers are like very self-focused and now with, you know, social media, it's even worse. That's just their whole life. And if it doesn't look good there, it doesn't look good anywhere, you know? And so we, we, we started uh, trying to say, Hey, this idea of living in a missional community, which is how we live in a community as a family on mission with our kids who are now raised in, but their friends and our friends and neighbors and all like that, making disciples that way. We said, well, what would be the version of that that would incorporate, you know, the youth getting to experience life as a family on mission? Mm-hmm. And it might be localized to like friends that are really, really close. Generally, people like to start out by gathering up with people they like and they know. There's a sort of a fear, a selfishness and a consumeristic aspect of that because Probably they go to a church that says, oh, well, we have small groups. Here's the day. Sign up when it makes sense to you. So it's not based on mission. It's not based on proximity or who we're trying to disciple or, you know, reach. It's really based on me, myself, my schedule, who I like, you know, age and stage of life, all that. So some of that creeps in and some of that we inherit. That's just the way it goes. But the thing behind the thing, because when you think about well, I want to start doing this with my youth. And then I, I'm guessing that, you know, a lot of youth, like you were just kind of alluding to a lot of youth pastors are thinking, uh, well, are the kids organizing these communities? And no, they're not gonna. And well, the parents need to live this way, but ours don't because that's not even part of our church thing. So the thing behind the thing to get to this level, where, and it's powerful. I'm telling you, this is the most, most powerful youth ministry we've ever done. And, and there's no looking back. That's how we do it now. But um the thing behind the thing is a couple things. One is the, the youth, I think pastors or staff paid or not, whatever, they really need to see their job is not parenting by proxy or discipling the kids by proxy. I want to challenge us all to say, what if our job was to say, hey, instead of, you know, like we're always trying to get more adults involved. So the ratio of parents to kids is way higher. You know, we'll get some college kids. We'll get over. We're just trying to get some warm bodies, adults involved in these kids. Like we used to joke and say, Hey, we got a plan that gets us to this crazy ratio of almost like one to one adult to kid or two to one, even it's called parents, (laughs) you know, involved. And so instead of thinking we're going to like bifurcate, separate the kids out over here, silo them. What if our job was really to disciple the parents on how to make disciples, make their homes an attractive place for their students, how to help their students love their friends where it's not, well, it's weird or awkward, but really help 
the, the, disciple the parents in a way that they can actually come along and help their kids disciple their friends as well. I think that's mm. the primary job. Now that's a shift I know, but we've helped so many, you know, with our coaching and resources on, we've helped so many people begin to move that way. They say, well, the church still expects me to do the Wednesday night pizza do thing. We're doing it. It's all, it's fun. You know, we're doing it. However, we're also parallel to that starting to equip and disciple the parents and start, you know, small to move big, start doing some stuff in the homes as well with their friends and all. Mm -hmm. Now, the second big thing behind the thing is, is identity. If in our family, if in our church and then in our families, and then in the minds of the kids, they just see Christianity as sort of a decision they made about their afterlife, basically. You know, like I want to, I don't want to go to hell. I want to get my ticket punched. But now what I'm really worried about is not God and his glory and growing and becoming more Christ. Like I'm primarily worried about how the world sees me. And so does my folks, my family, though we love church, you know, we're kind of waiting for heaven and it's behavioral modification. Try to sin less till then. If we start to see ourselves in our, in our true identity, creating God's image, he's triune. God's our father. That makes us all brothers and sisters family. Like we're really are a family. Okay. And Jesus is a servant. So we're servants. And he says, as I was sent, so I send you. That makes us missionaries because sent ones are missionaries. It's not a locational thing, really missionary. Mm -hmm. It's identity thing. If we can start to help the parents and the kids. So maybe at the pizza do thing, we're really working on identity and the implications of living like a family. If they can start to see themselves that way. And those students, their friends, especially maybe the EGRs, you know, the extra grace requires, that's like a sibling of yours. That's your brother. I know you don't get along with your own brother, but like that, that has to seed it. So why we'd want to open up our home to these students and, you know, start to have fun and have them treat those other students like family. And our kids are treating them like family and the other parents, like, you know, older brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, unless that identity drops, this becomes sort of pragmatic. Well, it's a good idea. It's like a new program the church is trying. Right. And that's right. tough sledding. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that, man. Uh, a lot of things you said reminded me of some elements of my own youth group experience and even some things that my own youth pastors were thinking of at that point that kind of leaned toward this direction. So, um, like I remember in high school when we made the shift to, you know, in junior high and everything, my youth group, at least 250, 300 kids show up on a Wednesday night. Really big deal. Lots um, of pizza. Mountain Dew. Lots of pizza. Yeah. Oh, you know pizza it, man. Dude. Lots of energy, all that stuff. <laughs> now, settle uh, down. We're going to talk about something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Settle down with all that sugar and everything in your system. Um, and uh, we moved it to in homes on Wednesday night based on where you went to school. So if you went to high school in this area of the town, you would meet at this home. Everybody. Okay, so at least there's some proximity there. there. That's cool. Yeah, so the, there's some proximity. And so it'd be in uh, a home of a leader or a youth family. And and um, we had a student leadership team as well. So it wasn't just like, well, it's the pizza do thing in someone's house and adults are leading it. No, there are students and peers greeting and running the games and even doing like a devotional, everything else. And the adults are kind of just hanging out and letting the peers kind of drive the connection. And, you know, for a big SBC church in the early aughts, that was a very big shift. Um, yeah. And 
there was a lot of good that came out of that. And once a month, we would meet back at the church, kind of like a big rally, like a big, hey, how's everyone doing? Yeah. Check in. Everyone's great. All right. You know, three more weeks of in-homes. And um, and I, I really enjoyed it. And it gave me, as a student leader, a lot of opportunity and a lot of intimate opportunities and engagements and conversations and really hands-on learning experiences um, that trumped uh, the summer internship at my home church I had after I graduated high school. Like those one or two school years of being on the student leadership team, I feel like surpassed a lot of what I got to do as the summer intern at a big youth group and big church yeah, and bet. running around and doing whatever. Um, and I remember telling my youth pastor at that time, like, I think this is going to be a great idea. And I really thrived and enjoyed that different season of youth ministry in the school year. And it led to a lot more invitations of friends uh, from school. And it was a more comfortable, like, okay, trying this church thing out, but just going to someone's house and playing some games and getting some food and hearing someone talk about, you know, if you have a question about the Bible, like, here's some answers for you. And uh, it was a really fun experiment. And I think what you're talking about, and obviously what you've seen practiced out all the way, um, is a cool direction that maybe some people listening have tried or done what my youth group did. Um, and that's maybe as far as they've gotten. Um, so I think people listening are like, what that is sounds great. And we've tried something like that, but it seems kind of scary probably for some, like you alluded to, kind of going all the way and saying, here's it. Yeah. There's a real intentionality to what happens there. You know, we're not just trying to export the same kinds of things from the church building to homes and somehow it's magically better. Yeah. You know, we yeah, see that yeah, going yeah. on right now, a micro church, you know, <laughs> you know, or house church or whatever, you know, all those terms that used to be bad. Now they're, they're all in vogue since COVID, you know, like, well, so what do you do at your <laughs> micro church? Well, we still get together on Sundays and we do all the same stuff we did at the big church. You know, it's like, Oh, that's not what a missional community is. And so like for us, there, there is, and there was real intentionality of like, what's happening when we are getting together. So there's always food because that's what a family does. So think through the lens of family. There's always mm-hmm. food. We're getting to know each other's stories real intentionally. Hey, let's tell each other our story tonight. So-and-so and so-and-so's up, you know what I mean? And you're listening yeah. for what's going on in their heart. And, and maybe you've even given them a, like a little bit of a form to like help guide your question because you're looking for their identity. Where do they find their value? So there's some intentionality in that. Another big thing, huge thing is we teach the story of God and we teach it narratively and dialogically. So it's this series of little short, you know, uh, little short narratives that chronologically through the whole Bible with dialogue that is all about discovery and it goes deep. Now, by the way, we do this with adults too, and it's mind blowing. Like Christians don't really know the Bible. (laughs) Our kids really don't. When we started doing story with the youth, oh, it changed everything. Because not only did they start to get the overarching arc of who God is and who he created them to be, that's identity, but also who the church really is and how we get to live. It started to move that. And, and because it's oral, those kids knew those stories. It was crazy. You know, like we would have, we would do review weeks. Hey, let's catch up. Who remembers this story? You know, could anybody want to stand up and tell it? They would tell it like almost word for word, freaky, right? We also, because we're exercising our identity as servants, we would organize times. Hey, uh, in two Saturdays from now, we're going out and we're serving together. You know, I hooked up this thing we're going to do at the park, or we're going over to so-and-so's house and we're raking all their leaves up, you know, and then we're going yeah, to so-and-so's yeah. and raking up leaves and they're going to have lunch there for us. 
That's what a family would do, you know? And then next week, we're going to talk about how that went. How'd you guys like serving each other? Was it weird? Like, did you feel good? You know, Jesus is a servant, right? And, and we live in his identity. You know, we were very intentional about the fun and the learning to seed in identity. Now, the parents are right there too, right? So they're kind of getting disciple along the way, you know? And mm-hmm. it also helped to par- to partner maybe a couple who is a little more, maybe further along in missional living with each parent host kind of home. You know what I mean? So they're not yeah. like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, what do you want us to put out? Just tell us what, you know, no, we're trying to disciple you into some new rhythms. And by the way, we'd love you to start having a family dinner night each week. That's meaningful. And we're going to even help you with that because that is going to start to bleed into, Hey, we do this. And then when the youth are over or my friends are over, or when my friends just come over for dinner and it's not anything to do with church, it feels more like family and there's some intentionality. It's full of grace and it's fun. Our house by God's grace was always the place the kids wanted to come and hang. And it wasn't because it was the nicest house. We didn't have a pool, no, no pool tables or ping pong. We, we didn't, you know, we're not rich. <laughs> you know, we just didn't have that stuff. Um, but we had a lot of fun and there was always grace and we did things, you know, with the, with our kids and their friends got to do all that with us. And it got to a point where kids were like, how do I, I want to come to your family dinner. I want to come to your family dinner. You know, like, do we get, you get to, you know, your family, that's, you know, and I would call them like brother and sister, you know, Hey, little brother, what's going on? You know, like what's happening, you know, and we would build trust and make a big deal out of their birthdays because that's what family does. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. I love So that. it's not um, hard, but it's very intentional. Yeah. It's very intentional, very different. It gets your, your families in your ministry and the parents living differently, different rhythms. Um, yeah. Rhythms is, rhythms is a, it's its own topic that, you know, entire podcast series. Could I want to tell you about them, think- but there's six of them and we won't have time today. But there's six key rhythms, we call them the discipleship rhythms, that God has created the world with. And Adam and Eve lived in them, and Israel lived in them, and Jesus and his disciples did, and you and I do, and all your students and their parents and all their friends live with these six rhythms, and they're already engaged in them. So when you say, oh, I don't have time for all this. Well, you do, because you're already doing them all, and so is everybody else. But it's a new intentionality, and we can go deep into that. Maybe we can do another episode, you know? Yeah. Those are the handles. So what do you do? Like that stuff you're already doing pretty well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, someone vocationally in in my role, uh, both when I was the youth guy and now someone who oversees the youth program and the children's program um, and the staff that runs them, uh, you know, parent resources is a really big deal that um, I think, I think, uh, with resources, I think a lot of it's focused for the majority of the time since it's been like a really in thing on content. What kind of content is it? How relatable is it? And I'm sure it's been more of a pickup lately besides just me. There's no way I think like I'm the only one or the center of this uh, original thought. I don't think (laughs) it is. But I think the biggest thing that you touched on with what you just said of like, well, we don't have time for that or I'm not involved in that. It's about rhythms. And, you know, in a, in a world where you have kindergartners on traveling sports teams and you have all these other clubs and schools and just a lot of other things going on, you know, you could have the best content in the most winsomely crafted way that you could do it and say, here you go, 
family. And because they just don't, they can't find time in their normal rhythms they have to meet or do whatever, that'll just sit there and collect dust or sit in their inbox as unread and not be touched. And so something that I've tried to think through the last several years is how do we make um, good resources, but then make it versatile to where it matches the rhythms and try and then move the focus to the rhythms of that the families are doing yeah. to where if it's on your way to soccer practice, if it's uh, in the car doing this, or when you have a few minutes here as a family, um, you know, when after your Sunday morning nap or Sunday afternoon nap after you're busy and so tired after Sunday morning, you know, what are your rhythms as a family doing this and how can the church make resources to help you utilize that instead of like, okay, we have to carve out half an hour and sit here in the floor in the living room and do this. And look at this like, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, if that's not realistic, where can we have resources that help you meet you where you're at and then work on rhythms and start to focus on that? Well, and back to the thing behind the thing, because if they don't, if they don't have a gospel heart level shift and start to live out of their identity more and yeah. like what you just said perfectly, everything that you give them doesn't matter how cool it is, how perfectly built crafted it is. It will just seem like another addition and truly discipleship has to move from seeing it as something additional to something intentional in our lives. But that, that mm. takes a heart shift first. I'll give you an example, not from a youth group, but like, you'll get it. Okay. Um, not too long ago, my wife and I were living in Manhattan, like right Upper West Side, block from Central Park. And we were there to train a whole lot of people, hundreds of leaders uh, in a denomination there on how to live this way and form these types of communities. Okay. Young and old. They said, it's never going to work here. Everybody's way too busy. And like Manhattan, you know, like, and so, but it did, it worked gangbusters. But our missional community ended up being like, School administrator, high high up, you know what I mean? Hedge fund manager, lots of lawyers, doctors, that kind of stuff. They were busy, man. 80, 90 hours. Like most people don't work that hard. They do. So at first, they have no time for anything. But as the gospel began to transform their heart and their love for people, and they're understanding that God was pleased with them regardless, and that their identity didn't flow from their career, And that these rhythms they already lived in, all of a sudden, they started choosing different priorities. So instead of things like, well, I can't get off of work because, you know, it's just my boss or that. Like, are you sure? Who are you trusting in? Who's more glorious to you, your boss or your your heavenly father, you know, who loves you? In fact, sent your brother Jesus to die for, you know, over time, they began to trust God and say, you know, I talked to my boss at the law firm whose last name is Goldman, you might just guess what, you know, <laughs> nationality is. They're all Jewish. Um, nobody works on Saturdays except for like the three of us that aren't, you know, Jewish. Mm-hmm. So I just said, hey, I'm not going to work Saturdays anymore unless there's some big some big case going on. They're like, yeah, no kidding. No problem. Bing. You know what I mean? But before they were, because their identity was attached, they wanted to be the flag waver and hero. But when they, you know, mm-hmm. started trusting God, you know what I mean? And when we... I remember some of them saying, why do you always call me brother? Or why do you say, hey, welcome family. What's going on this week? You know, well, because we are. And so it took a long time, you know, but when our identity starts to shift and we start to believe what God says is true of us and we start to like grow in our spiritual freedom, we're not trying to appease God or make him happy through our choices or build our own identity through what we do. Man, life gets easy and fun. And now, and it's exactly the same in our family lives, right? You know, like 
treat your kids that way, live in freedom. And we watched everybody start to change their priorities to where they were going like, hey, I'm loving all this, but I got a whole bunch of people that this is leaking onto, friends, family, my sister, work, friends. Um, they're not really ready for a lot of what we're talking about over here. But remember when we first started getting together, it was just a meal and all that. Can we pick another night and just start doing that fun meal, family, dinner kind of thing here again? So we have a place for them to sort of, you know, ease into this life with us. You get to. Yeah, we will. Who wants to do that? You know, not everybody could, but a whole bunch wanted to. Couldn't believe it. Thought we were all too busy. You know, they started yeah. to change. You know, we say birds don't fly because they're supposed to. Birds fly because they get to, man. They're birds. <laughs> you know, like what? You know, like if you and I all of a sudden said, that's what those are wings. Like That was just made my jacket fit weird. You know, like I'm out of here. Sorry, <laughs> Jeff. Got to gotta short the podcast on you. I'm flying. I didn't realize I could fly, you know. When we start to believe our birthright and our identity and, and what God says is true of us, it starts to change everything. And all of a sudden, we don't need all the traveling teams. Like, you know, our kids were involved in everything, one thing at a time. Hey, what sport you want to do this year, you know, or this half of the year? Or like, oh, you want to be in traveling band? Well, that we're not doing, then I guess what sport are we not? You know what I mean? Like, we still did it all because we wanted those relationships yeah. But we weren't going to forsake our kids' salvation and identity and all that for a sport. Hey, listen, your yeah. kid's not going to be Pele. You know, sorry. You know, they're not going to be Beckham. <laughs> but even if they were, do you want their identity based on a sport or on Christ? You know what I mean? Like, so but you, you can tell them that. But like, yeah, but I worship me. And when my kids worship me because I say yes to everything and I drop, oh, I drop everything for this traveling games and all. But I have no time for ministry or mission. That's an identity and gospel issue. It's really not a busyness issue. Yeah. I'm saying yes to this. I managed to talk my work into all of this because I want my kids to worship and love me because that's where I find my identity and value. When that starts to shift and it comes from God consistently, you're like, you know what, kids? One thing at a time. We'll do it all, but you can't do it all at once. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I might not make every game because there's some friends that we're going to hang out with tonight. Like, it's okay. You know, we're not the worst parents in the world. Because so-and-so had to drop you off tonight and bring you home. But we're going to do it for them next Tuesday. I already talked about it with them. We're doing it, you know. But that yeah. stuff takes time and it takes intention to, you know, the, from a gospel perspective, an identity perspective. Yeah. Otherwise, all the cool stuff them, just man. sounds like a new program to everybody. And they'll vote sure. based on their American Dream Life calendar. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I think that's that's completely right. And I think a lot of the assumptions that we have and presuppositions we have of what makes sense, what's best for me, what works, what's outlandish and not practical stands in the way of a lot of what God has for us and wants for us. Um, uh, Absolutely. And, and just like two or three minutes, if you could give us one practical step as we wrap up of what do you think a good first step for any youth workers who are thinking about this could launch? Is it like having a parent meeting and saying, here's the vision? What do you think? Is it going one family at a time? Is it going to your church leadership? What's like a good first practical step for youth workers thinking, how could I start this? Great question. I, I think what I would do if I was like, okay, you're, it's on, bro. Like, how are you going to help shift this? You know, like what I would do, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it's all about becoming more and more like a family, because we are truly. So I, I would probably yeah. host a meal for the parents and I would try not to do it in the church building with a big plastic table and sporks. And, you know what I mean? I would try to like, just 
<laughs> get it in a house. And if you have to do two of them, cause you can't fit them all at once or three of them or whatever, or get someone else in the church, who's got a bigger house, you know, but do it in a home and have like, I really like give them plenty of time so that you get good attendance. It's not like, Hey, next week, you know, like, Hey, on this day, we really want to have a meal together as, as adults, you know, as parents. Mm. And just uh, work on getting to know each other a little bit better. But we got we got a few cool things we want to let you know about. You know, have a meal and say, "Hey, da 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 da." And I and there, like you know, there's ways to get to know each other real quick. Like we use these three questions. It's real fast if we have time. We use these real question three questions um, to get to know people that you don't know that well. Is where were you born? Okay, favorite childhood memory. Third question: What's the worst job you ever had? <laughs> And we don't have everybody answer all three. You know, you go around, everybody answers the first one. And you, you're going to find all this commonality and it's funny and you're going to laugh your guts out at the worst job or favorite childhood memory. Or, oh, I love that too. You know, whatever. Then you say, hey, we would love to have you start having a meal, you know, and maybe you start with monthly. First, you know, first week of the month, we want you to host a family dinner night for your kids and their friends. Mm-hmm. And and, it, and and there's no, here's the only ground rules, no shop talk, no trying to get anybody to say the Jesus in their heart prayer, you know, put on real music, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's cool, like, because it's high invitation, but no challenge, you know, <laughs> like, come on, you know, mm-hmm. and I want you to start doing that once a month. So the kids start to have fun and they don't have to feel weird because it's like, oh, here's what's going to happen. Or, or there's going to be about a 20 minute time. We have to sit down and go around the room and say all this stuff. And then we're going to, you know, have to pray with our eyes closed. Like, don't, no, 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 no. That's not what this is for. Do a family dinner night that's full of grace, full of fun. And just start doing that. And let's see what the, and then, and then in a couple months, we're going to get y'all packed together for a meal. And we're going to see what are you learning? What are you observing? Right. Yeah. That becomes the model ultimately for what you could start to do. And and once you build the trust and, the, and they, oh, the kids love coming to this, it's super fun. Then like we, it's no big deal. I promise you to move into like doing the story of God. Cause you've been doing stories. You've been talking, you've been having a big dialogue around stuff. It's been fun. And people say, well, that sounds like a bait and switch. It's not kids flip out on the story. Because we all love story, you know, and we've only done this a trillion times. So I, <laughs> I can loan you some faith, but that's, that'd be my first steps. Have a meal, not a meeting. And at that meal, have some fun, maybe use the three questions, you know, and then say, hey, we really love to do this. Who's up for that? You know, and maybe you've pre had some meetings. I like to do that with the key. You know, I need at least six, you know, households that are willing to do this. I'm going to pre-meet with them over dinner, you know, like the weeks before. So when we all come together, we're like, we got a lot of, yeah, you know, a lot of social proof happening, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I would yeah, just start okay. there. I think for most churches and their youth groups, if all of a sudden there was a fun family dinner night happening once a month, now you can do it once mm-hmm. a week is what I'd love, but that might be a bridge too far at first. I think that would start to change the dynamic of how everybody interacted and who knew who and, 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 and it's safe. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, but they, you're not, Studying the Bible. No, we're still doing that on Wednesday. It's all cool. But over time, we're going to move life into the rhythms. Good rhythm is a is a consistent meal. Because you know, if you're really family, how often do you eat together? As often as you can. Once a month, certainly not too much. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, this is great. I love it. Uh, this is a really good first launching step and dialogue. Let's get let's get you back on soon to talk about those six. Uh, rhythms. Love to. Uh, and that's awesome. Uh, in between now and then, where can people find you 
uh, online and what what you do if they want to reach out. Yeah, to thanks. I appreciate that. I, I'm here to help, and we've got so many resources. Anything I've mentioned, there's a ton of free resources. You can go to everydaydisciple.com. Okay, Everyday Disciple, just like that all in word.com. And you'll find me there and a lot of resources. You can find the Story of God materials. Take a look at those. You can download free books, audio, videos. Uh, there's even some little courses if you want them. There's all kinds of stuff. And maybe even more importantly, is it's where the Everyday Disciple podcast, you can find it there. Uh, you can find it on Apple and you know Spotify and everywhere, but maybe you can figure it out there. And so oh, that's what it looks like. That's the, you know, and it's the Everyday Disciple podcast. And we just had our six-year anniversary. And so every all Monday right, for congrats. six years, man, a lot of episodes. And we talk about all this kind of stuff from every perspective, living as a family on mission. How do you develop new leaders within the church, be it youth or adults? You know, uh, how do you deal with your elders? How do you, you know, live this out in the neighborhood? I mean, every, you know, that this week it's on race and identity and how that's all really a gospel issue. So maybe we can talk about this differently, you know? So it's super practice practical and it's kind of fun and easy. And it's about a half hour each episode or so. So everyday disciple podcast. I'd love it if they'd check that out and grab a bunch of free resources. That's awesome. And you can right. find me there. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the best part. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Caesar. And I'll be praying for you as you continue uh, in your business and church endeavors for making the gospel known in people's lives and families and their communities. Thanks again, man. Thanks, Jeff. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Caesar for joining me. You can find the link to his website in the show notes. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. And be sure to check out our website, youthministrymaverick.com. There, you can see a comprehensive list of our guests, their bio information, some organizations that can help you in your ministry, some articles I've published and a store to help support the podcast. Also, we would love if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, not just a rating, but a review. It helps our visibility, and we would really appreciate that. If you do leave us a review, take a screenshot of it and send it to me, and I will personally mail you a thank you card with some podcast swag that you can't get on the store. Well, that does it for today. Thanks again for listening. Please share this if it helps others that you know, and we hope that you've been encouraged by it. Until next time, adios.